Well, happy Easter, everybody. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Thank you very much. I te- you, what, did you not have chocolate eggs or something? Is that what it is? Is that, was that the lack of reaction, you know, just a lack of sugar or, or, or you're just, you know, you're just waiting for chocolate eggs when you got home? Hands up if you had a chocolate egg this morning. Be honest. Three, four? Come on. I don't, but I, don't, I find it, well, perhaps you're gonna have chocolate eggs when you go home. I don't know. Or perhaps you're all, perhaps you're all on diets or something. I, I don't know, but uh, I haven't had mine yet. But I will be having one. I, I can assure you. So don't worry, and also please don't make donations, because one is more than enough, I have to say. Um, well, in Easter, and, and as uh, Ian read for us, we're, we're at this passage, this great passage, talking about the uh, the resurrection of Jesus, and um, you, you may, you probably do find it hard to believe this when you look at me, uh, but as a, a, a balding, white, late middle-aged person from Sheffield uh, I do enjoy listening to uh, American hip-hop hmm, surprising uh, I like lots of different types of music I suppose uh, which is I think a good thing not country and western by the way just clear that up right now don't play me country and western I don't like it um, uh, but I like lots of other kinds of music. But but in terms of American hip hop, I am particularly into Christian American hip hop. Uh, it is uh, other than being able to sort of nod my head in a very sort of satisfying way, physically satisfying way when you're listening to the music. Um, what I do appreciate about it is the really uh, imaginative way in which they express biblical truths. They really find good ways and new ways of. Uh, talking about things that perhaps we've got used to hearing in different ways. Uh, And so uh, today's Easter Sunday, as we were talking about, and the angel asks the question there, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is is risen. Claire and Nina said that is exciting, and and, and, uh, uh, the enormity of it is, is incredible, and yet we are used to hearing the story perhaps in church this is what a hip hop artist called Shaylin wrote trying to describe this Uh, the track is called Jesus is Alive uh, which uh, I guess fits and big parts of the song are a long list of people who are still dead they are all still dead uh, I'm not going to wrap it for you and try and embarrass myself but here's a quick here's a quick burst uh, Elvis is dead Picasso is dead Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin are dead Marilyn Monroe is dead however Jesus is alive Brando is dead James Brown is dead Princess Di and John Lennon are dead Biggie and Pac are dead however Jesus is alive and he goes on and he lists politicians and religious leaders and artists and they are all dead apart from Jesus who is alive it's the point well made every single person who has ever died is still dead apart from one Jesus Christ by the way if anyone does want to know who Biggie and Pac are uh, please see Manasseh afterwards she will explain that to you um, 
there's only one tomb which is empty. There is only one tomb which is empty, as Sherlin says, like most contemporary rap lyrics. Uh, and so we read in this passage today and in the, the other uh, books in the Bible that deal with this, Matthew and Luke and John, that Jesus has risen. The tomb is empty. But what is the significance of that for us? For you, for me. Last week we saw Jesus, who was the perfect Son of God, taking on all of our rebellion and our sin, and putting it to death on the cross, giving us that right status with God. Today I want to uh, spend some time thinking with you about the idea that uh, in the resurrection, as followers of Jesus, we are made new. We are a new creation. I want to think about that. I want to think about how we're going to respond to that idea. Think about how we get, how we can know that we're new creation. So, uh, our, and the fact that we are a new creation, how are we going to respond to that? And how do we know that we are new creations? First of all, our newness in Christ, because newsflash, that's what a Christian is. In Second Corinthians, uh, chapter 5, verse 17, you don't have to turn there, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. It's talking about how when someone trusts in Jesus and turns their life to follow him, they are a new creation. Notice it's a new creation. It's not something that has been repaired somehow or fixed up at the edges. We've not had some bad bits transplanted or something like that. We've not had uh, bits removed or, or, or cut off. Just turn with me over in the Bible to Matthew. So go back a bit to Matthew chapter 9. I'll tell you the page when I get there. This is Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. Looks like it's on page 974. Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Apparently pouring new wine into old wineskins is very bad for the wine. Jesus is using this idea to show us that spiritually, when we become followers of Jesus... It's not just about fixing something old. It is a a new creation. We are a totally new being in that way. Uh, I don't know if you checked your car insurance policy recently. It's something I had to do at the weekend. I had to drive my uncle's car to go and and sell it. There's another story. But most most car insurance policies say something like, uh, if you crash will repair what's already there. You know, basically give you the car back in the state it was. However, there are some very expensive car insurance policies 
that say, if you crash your car, we will give you a totally new car, brand spanking new, straight off the factory floor. Uh, boy, is that an expensive insurance policy. Uh, when a Christian is born again, we are totally new, like a totally new car, like Paul wrote in Second Corinthians. It's not that we're being repaired in some way. Uh, Jesus says we are uh, born again. He talks about us being uh, born again. It says in John chapter 3 verse 3, Very truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And the cost of this, like the insurance policy, is not cheap. The cost of it is the Son of God who has laid down his life and died for us. We don't always feel that way, do we? You know what I mean? We don't always feel like a new, bright, shiny creation. Sometimes it feels like we are just the same person who has been being repaired over and over uh, or perhaps we feel that we are not fixed somehow. You might be here today, perhaps you feel as though you are still the person you used to be, even though you have turned to Jesus and, and put your trust in him. But that somehow you are still essentially the same person that you were. No Brother, sister, let me assure you, you are a new creation. You have been born again. Let me be clear, that does not mean we are perfect. It does not mean uh, we are suddenly, uh, we do everything right. Sure, we're still human. We still mess things up on a daily basis. And, but we are, and although we are not yet what we shall be, we're also not what we used to be. The old has gone and the new has Many of us will many of us will struggle, yes, with things we've done or said in the past before we became a Christian perhaps. And and you know, like the stone dropped in the the stone dropped in the in the lake, the effects of that, the ripples keep going on and on and, and perhaps sometimes still affect our lives. Sometimes for all of our lives, sadly, some things cannot be undone. But let me be clear, although we might have to live with that, that does not define us. That is not who a Christian is. Christian, if you are here, you are not the worst thing that you have ever done. Far from it. That is not your new identity. Jesus did not die for you to feel that you were still not right with God. That would mean that it was not enough when Jesus died on the cross. That that was not sufficient. It is enough. There is no higher price. You are new. You are right before God. You are born again. But a Christian is not someone who is just just uh, made new. A Christian is not someone who is just a new creation. A Christian is not someone who's just born again, but also they have a new relationship with God. Uh, if you want a scary thought, um, before someone trusts in Jesus, they are an enemy of God. 
I don't say that to scare anybody who is here who is not a Christian. I do not want to over make it more dramatic than it is or to it or to try and scare you into doing something. But neither do I want to hide the truth from you. I cannot imagine anything more scary than being the enemy of an all-powerful, jealous, angry God. Uh, We see how the world treats its enemies. The Old Testament is full of examples. If that is you, please, I beg, I urge you, I plead you, plead with you, Please find out more about this risen Jesus we're talking today. Find out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Find out what it means to be a new creation. You do not have to live with your life as it is right now. Um, But this relationship with God is not just new. It's not just new. It is close. It is personal. It is intimate. It's not a a formal, it's not a relationship like you might have with your boss or something like that. Um, uh, This is is about God who's created the universe coming close to us. We were talking about this last week, weren't we, when we talked about the curtain being torn in two. Uh, At the point where someone becomes a Christian, bang! They receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside to, to provide comfort and to guide and to help and to teach. This is a this is a totally new way for God to relate to his people. Not not standing far off saying, Thus saith the Lord and lightning bolts and all that kind of thing. But close, personal, inside. This is totally new. This is this is totally different. The death and the resurrection of Jesus means that we have a relationship with God which is closer than our fathers and mothers. It is someone someone indwelling who knows our every thought and deed and loves us the same and wants to be with us and wants to help us to grow. This is unique. This is incredible. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus means that those who follow uh, are in fact uh, adopted as God's sons and daughters. Don't turn here, but Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says this. So you are no longer a slave, get this, but you, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Or in the, or also in, uh, John's first letter, 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. God has made us heirs. We are children of God. This is new. This is not how we were. This is not our life before 
está aí. Christian, you are a new creation. And how are we supposed to respond to that? How are we supposed to, oops, how are we supposed to uh, respond with that? Look with me again back in uh, Mark, back in the passage you read, back in Mark chapter 16. Here are the, here are the, uh, verse 1, here are the three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and uh, Salome, going to the tomb, taking spices uh, to anoint the body of Jesus. Walking down to the tomb, it's just after the sun has risen. They are taking spices to treat the body of their friend and teacher. They are they want to honour his death. He has meant so much to them. He has they have followed him, they have learned from him, they have heard him, they have loved him. And here they are, walking just after sunrise down to the tomb. It, it's not recorded here, but Surely they are, they are mourning, they are sorrowful, possibly weeping. One writer suggests that maybe as they're walking, they're, they're talking, sort of hushed, quiet voices as they're going down. The, the initial emotional charge of, of the death of Jesus has, has been spent on, on Friday. I think actually it's his death on the cross. They've had the Sabbath, they've had, they've had all day Saturday on which to grieve and mourn but I have little doubt in in my heart that these three ladies are going there and they are sorrowful it's the idea of what they now have to do would be staggering to me I think and then suddenly they are there and and they are faced with three enormous surprises. That big, awkward stone that they were wondering. You can see there, they're wondering how they're going to move it. It's been moved already. It's gone. It's been moved aside. What's happened? Has there been... As, as, why has it been moved already? Has, has someone already been here? Is somebody already in there? This is not what they're expecting. This is not what they're expecting to see when they get there. They walk in. Second shot, the the body of Jesus, the body of their friend, their teacher, they saw it put there by Joseph of Arimathea. We saw that in chapter 15. That's not there. They saw saw it go in. They They saw the tomb closed. What's going on? What, what's happening? And then, then when they're still they're still confused and shocked by that. Then there's an angel. It says on the right. We don't know which way the right. Well, we know which way the right is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's that way. Um, there's an angel. It's called a man in a white robe. The other gospels make it clear it's an angel. And he tells them that Jesus is not here. He has risen. The word angel means means messenger. 
What a message to deliver. What an astounding message to deliver to three, these three women. He is not here. Not only is he not here, he's not here. He has risen from the dead. Notice, notice as Claire reminded us a couple of weeks ago. These first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus are women. Uh, they're not the Jewish religious authorities. Uh, they're the ones who put him to death. They're interested in what's going on. It's not the the, the uh, Roman uh, the Roman troops or the gospel say that there were guards there during the night. It's not even the disciples. It's not even Peter. Notice there that, just as an aside, notice that when the angel says to them to go and tell the disciples, it says the disciples and Peter. At this point, Peter, in their view, is not a disciple. He still has to be what will we say, rehabilitated by Jesus later on. Uh, uh, no, it is these three women who are the, the first witnesses. And their initial reaction is shock. Uh, I, I don't think we could be surprised by that. You know, you know uh, g- given those circumstances, I think any of us would be shocked. It says there they're trembling and bewildered. That they go out and they, they flee. And it says they, they are afraid. And so, so they, they don't tell anyone. Well, what are they going to say? I mean, really, what are they going to say in this culture? Sadly, uh, women were were not seen as being uh, a uh, a reliable witness culturally. Not only that, but they're they're being told to go and tell the disciples. Uh, yeah, that guy you put to death on the cross, he's actually uh, he's actually alive. What are they? You know, what are the disciples going to going to say? Well. And in, in other Gospels and in Acts, we see that they were initially very sceptical when this was the, the news that was given. Um, yes, so they, they are quiet. Of course, their first reaction is shock, just stunned shock, but, but that does not stay that way. They are told to go and tell the disciples. They go and tell the disciples. And the, the other Gospels sort of capture that, that joy, that uncontained Joy when they realize exactly what has happened. When they realize that this man, this follower, uh, this, excuse me, this, this man who they were following, this teacher, has risen from the dead. Yes. Yes, this was the Son of God. Of course this was the Son of God, because now we're remembering all the times he told us that this was what was going to happen. He had told the disciples again and again that this is what's going to happen. And now they're starting to remember. Now they're starting to realize, ah, oh yeah, he said this would happen. And so, and so suddenly, beyond every hope that they have had, their Savior is risen from the dead. They say, uh, people have an expression, don't they? They don't know what you've lost till it's gone. And that's surely true. You don't know what you've lost till it's gone. Uh, and maybe on the Sabbath, maybe some of the disciples were reflecting on that, just thinking about exactly those last three years and exactly what had just 
as far as they were concerned at that point, finished. But to not know what you've lost until it's gone and then it goes and then you realise and then to get it back again? No wonder we read about so much joy in the New Testament. If you read the, the letters of Paul and John and Peter, so often you see them refer to this phrase, great joy. It's great joy that we have. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 16, verse 20. He said, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Christians have every reason to be joyful. It's one of the, it says in Galatians, it says one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. I'm not talking about uh, smiling, laughing, giggling, skipping through fields of days, joy. This is a, although that's nice, this is a deep down joy. This is a deep bedrock joy in the soul of a Christian. This new life, this new creation, this new relationship is joy. It is joy in the life of a Christian. And yet I believe that many Christians do not feel that joy. I believe that many Christians do not have that sense of joy because they have not yet realised the new life, that, they, they, that we are indeed a new creation. The, Satan comes along and he says, ah, but you used to be like that. No, you used to be like that. You used to be like that. You used to be like that. Don't forget it. You used to be like that. Satan is called the accuser of uh, the Christians. Someone said, if he's reminding you of your past, remind him of his future and get him out of the way. Yeah, we are a new creation. There is no condemnation. You are not who you used to be. Rejoice. Contemplate the cross and your own life. What has been done, the changes you've seen, the liberty you now have in Christ. The fact that you are no longer a slave, you are free. Sometimes I think it's perhaps harder for someone who's been brought up in a Christian home or someone who became a Christian very young because because uh, the whole story of the death and the resurrection can feel, feel so familiar. What, but just think for a moment, what would your life have been if that had not been true? If you're a Christian here, rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he is risen. Hallelujah. If you're here and you're not a Christian, please see the joy that is available to you. Honestly, I sometimes feel as though I need need to apologise to you on behalf of Christians because we often don't seem that happy about it, to be honest with you. You know, maybe that's a cultural thing. Uh, sometimes, you know, we do like to drink tea and have long faces sometimes. But that is not the truth of who Jesus is. That is not the truth of our lives. Perhaps we're just not very good at it. Perhaps we're not just very good at expressing our joy. Hands up. Yeah, that's me. I, I struggle with expressing my emotions. That doesn't mean that it's not accessible to you. That does not mean that you cannot feel this deep down bedrock joy. 
not the joy of the last minute goal against winning against Germany. I mean the last, the lasting deep down joy that lasts and lasts and fills you up like bubbling water. But how can we know? I mean, how do we know that? You say, Ian, well, okay, it's all very well you standing there, but, but how do you know that? How do you know your joy is not misplaced? How do you know that uh, when the music fades and all is stripped away, when we walk out of that door, that our reason for, for joy is true? How do we know that? Because of God's seal of approval. I want you to be very glad at this point that I did not put up a cheesy photo of a seal with the word approval across it. I almost did. If I'd had enough time, I might have actually put that picture up. But I thought it was a cheap gag, and I wouldn't put it up. But I have to still mention it, because I don't want to totally lose the moment. Okay, so, just for a moment. Seal. (laughs) Seal of approval. Okay, lose the gag. Okay. There are so many things that happened in the ministry of Jesus particularly the work on the cross, that many people just thought was too hard. It was just too hard to follow, too hard to understand, too hard to do. And they turned away. In fact, it says that in, in the book of John. Some people said to Jesus, what you're teaching, it's just too hard. And they stopped following him. How can we get the sense that we can rely on Jesus, that we can rely on his death, that we can rely on what he has done. How can we be sure? Some people, and this and this uh, includes many Christians, some people just get a gut feeling. You know, you know, in in my in in here somewhere it feels right. You know, this feels right. Uh, you know, it's got to be right, right, right. Because if it's got to be right, it's right. You know, I mean, it feels right, right in here. It feels right. Uh, they rely on their perhaps their subjective feelings and say that's okay. Uh, some some people will uh, look for reassurance from maybe uh, complicated and, and deep uh, philosophical truths. Uh, they look to great thinkers, uh, perhaps the church fathers and to other people, looking for proofs and uh, to understand the very nature of God, to understand His His work in our lives. Some people are looking for to rely on objective and logical arguments. You know, was Christ really the Son of God like he said he was? And they, they tackle it like a CSI crime investigator. Uh, perhaps they're turning to legally based proofs. God gives us the assurance, or the reassurance if we're already a Christian, of his Son's work with a seal of approval. Has anyone seen a seal? I mean, mean like a proper seal. I mean, I don't mean a... There's a fish seal. I mean a seal. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, I don't mean that because it's a seal. Uh, Every company in the UK, for example, has an official seal to seal official documents. And what you do is you get this little gold foil circle. You put it on the document and you go, bunk, and it sort of attaches it down. Uh, It says, yes, this document is official. This document is from our company. Uh, some leases have them, some, some insurance policies. 
uh, in some countries, a marriage certificate has a big seal knocked onto it. Um, They're saying, yes, you can rely on this. You can rely on this because of the reputation of the one who's putting the seal on. It's official. I vouch for it. We sometimes, we sometimes say, oh, if you know the song even sings, sign, seal, delivered, to say something is complete, something is done. The resurrection of Jesus that these three women have just experienced, these, and, and over 500 people afterwards, the resurrection of Jesus is God's seal. His seal of assurance. You want to know as a Christian whether you have a new life? You want to know whether you're a new creation? Whether you can have this intimate, personal relationship with God? God says, yes, you can. And here's my seal to prove it. Bujum, the resurrection of his son. Okay, more audience participation. Hands up, who remembers the man from Del Monte? Come on. The man from Del Monte, okay, it's a lot more than that, I know it is. Alright, just for anybody who's uh, younger than all those people who just put their hands up. This is, so you'll be familiar with Del Monte, uh, like tins of fruit, pineapple, pears, peaches, all those kind of stuff, and fruit juice. Back in the, I don't even remember when, there were adverts where the, the man from Del Monte rocks up at a plantation where they're growing oranges, pineapples, bananas, whatever it is. And he, he then inspects them for quality. And, and all of the villagers are standing round, waiting expectantly to see what the man from Del Monte is going to say. Okay, so presumably if the man from Del Monte says no, then all these farmers are stuffed. Okay, because their their crops cannot be sold on, they're perhaps going to have to sell, sell them to whoever's below Del Monte in the food chain. I don't know who that is. You could, uh, I won't uh, commit commercial suicide by saying who that might be. Um, and... Uh, so they're, they're, they're waiting around. Hush. What is the man from Del Monte going to say? This is the advert. The advert's probably shorter than this. And, and they, they're, they're all standing around. And everyone's waiting. You know, the, the man from Del Monte does something like he slices the banana or whatever and tastes it. And, uh, of course, because it's a Del Monte advert, he says, Yes! Hence the expression, the man from Del Monte, he say, yes, which you'll often hear people say. Because what Del Monte is saying, when they put Del Monte on that tin or whatever, that is their seal of approval. That is them saying, it's good. It's all good. As a Christian, you may feel as though there is nothing new or encouraging about your life. Perhaps you feel as though... It has been so bad that nobody could make it new, not even Jesus. You might be totally uncertain about Jesus. You might be uh, thinking he was, he was a great teacher perhaps or a philosopher, but you think that Christians are well-meaning or simplistic or just deluded or fundamentalist or whatever you think, I don't know. 
Perhaps you feel your existing lifestyle is pretty comfortable and you don't want to give it up. What is the point of a new life and being born again? I like my life. I like what's going on. Whatever the situation, whatever it is, wherever you are today, look again at the resurrection of Jesus here. Look again as God gives his seal of approval. He who has an unshakable reputation saying yes. Yes, you can have a new life. Yes, you can be a new creation. I am not going to pour new wine into old wineskins. I am going to make you new. It is all true. In fact, this seal of approval says you can rely on everything my son told you. It's all true. Every promise he made is yes and is amen. Now, rejoice. Go and rejoice. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because Jesus has died and he has risen again and new life is ours for the taking. Let's pray.